Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hello, I'm Eric Prince, and welcome to Off Leash. With me today is a longtime friend and mentor, one of my early childhood heroes, a guy named Dr. Jack Wheeler, who literally from my childhood days uh, is the closest thing to the real-life Indiana Jones. He has lived a life of adventure and still does uh, amazing adventurous things all over the world. I think he's been to every country on Earth. Um, he understands people and cultures and historical perspective had a lot to do with my early thinking. Um, he is a great American. Um, I have, uh, maximum respect for his career and for especially what he did in helping, uh, shape policy at a critical time. And we're going to get into that today. And so Jack, welcome to the show. Uh, Ple- please pleasure to be, be here with you, Eric. Uh, and happy new year. We, happy new year. <laughs> um, we're, we're honored to have you. And uh, I just start by taking us through a, a bit of your life story. Where were you born? Where'd you go to school? And um, uh, take us through it. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I, it's kind of an elevator speech then. <laughs> really quick. I was born in uh, Southern California and uh, uh, grew up in a suburb of Los Angeles um, a place called Glendale. And, um, it was just an idyllic life back there a long, long time ago in the (laughs) fifties. And, uh, what, what to say? I mean, I just had an ordinary kid's life. Um, I ended up being the Eagle Scout at at an early age. Uh, and, um, because uh, I just, that was all that I knew what to do was do was go after scouting. And uh, I ended up being invited to the White House to meet uh, President Eisenhower uh, because uh, uh, he told me I was the youngest Eagle Scout in Boy Scout history. So uh, it was an extraordinary experience. Uh, and so that, that left a big impression on me. And then uh, uh, when I was 14, I read a book and uh, it was a book by somebody I'd never heard of, but my friend of my father's had given it to me for a Christmas present, and I never paid attention to it until finally one day, a rainy afternoon, there's nothing to do, you know, there's no television or TV. When you were a kid back then, you just rode your bike out to friends and rode your bike or hiked out in the mountains, etc. cetera. And, um, uh, but it was a book by a man named Richard Halliburton. He was a very famous adventurer in the 20s and 30s, so this book was over 20 years old. But all of a sudden, when he talked about the world and how it was, and it just made me, the, the impact has never left me to this day of what a kid from Glendale didn't know anything about the world. And it made me realize the world was this magic place that you would never get to the end of it. You'd, you'd never see 
and experience all there was in this incredible world. Uh, and what what was it? What was the name of the book? Uh, the name of the book is The Complete Book of Marvels by Richard Halliburton, published in 1938, 1939, about then. And um, uh, Halliburton died many, many, many years ago. But uh, at any rate, it left such an impression on me. I, I took the book open to the Matterhorn, and I laid it on my father's lap because he was reading a book, Rainy Saturday Afternoon, and... I said, I heard myself say, uh, like I didn't, no decision. I was just like I was almost sleepwalking. And I I heard myself say, I pointed to the picture of the matter. And I said, Dad, I want to climb that mountain. Now, here's a 14-year-old kid, no mountaineer experience, once announces completely out of the blue that he wants to climb the most famous mountain in the world. And... Most they, parents didn't know what to, would would know what to have said or done, but my father saw something that touched me. He saw something that, that touched me, and he said, "Well, let's talk about it." And so we talked, and I told him, "Well, I've been on hikes and mountains, like Boy Scout hikes, and I'm not afraid of heights or whatever." I started making up, and he said, "Well, actually." Um, my father was a television, television producer on a local television station in Los Angeles. And he said, maybe you've met our lighting director when you've been to the studio with me. His name is Hannes, Hannes Schmidt. I said, yeah, I think so. He's, he's from Switzerland. And actually, he has won a bronze medal in the 1948 Olympics. And maybe he knows people. So I'll ask him. Wow. And... And so that changed my life. But what really changed my life, and this is an important thing for all parents to know, is what my father didn't do that made the big difference in my life. He didn't laugh. He didn't laugh. Like, he, a kid announcing was a climb the most famous mountain in the world out of nowhere. But you, he but you had a certain, but you had a certain amount of credibility. You, you were the youngest Eagle Scout in history, at what age? 12, 13? 12. Amazing, holy cow! Yeah. So, but but that's not real credibility. My father didn't laugh, and so as it turned out, Hannes knew uh, 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 one of the best um, mountain guides called Bert Fuers in Zermatt, which is a famous skiing place, and he so he knew everybody. And Hannes arranged it. And I threw my, my, we were going to Europe because my father was filming for the station um, uh, in, in Europe that summer. It was 1958. And we were going to Russia. That was the big deal. So the studio would go, yeah, sure, film, we'll do that. That's an, an American family in Moscow in Russia in 1958, the middle of Cold War. Wow. That's a big deal, you know. And so, so uh, uh, how the Russia thing ended up was another matter. But at any rate, I ended up with Alphonse, the guide, and we're making our way up to the hut on the slopes of the Matterhorn to climb it the, very, very early the next morning. And I asked 
Alphonse, I said, well, Alphonse, do you think I, I have a chance? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you, you're, nobody's ever climbed the mountain this young. I mean, I only told Hannes that I would guide you up the mountain as far as I think it's safe. And that was our deal. So I have no idea. And for people that are not familiar with the Matterhorn, it's vertical technical climbing, roped up, crampons, before right. it works. 4,000 feet straight up and 4,000 feet straight down. you got to do it in a matter of hours because uh, the weather changes so fast. But what Alphonse told me as we're walking up, because he said, I don't know if you're going to make it. We'll have to see. I said, but I can tell you one thing. Your father thinks you can. And and so we get up 3.30 in the morning out of the hut and start walking at night. And we had no headlamps in those days. You had to carry a lantern. <laughs> so, so all I did was follow his feet. You know, that's all I did. The whole world was his feet, you know, where his feet went. That's where my hands and my feet go, uh, et cetera. And uh, we get up higher and higher and higher and higher and, and uh uh, put on the crampons, as you say, and, and, and there's fixed ropes up in the Schultz ice field. And, and um, we get to a place um, uh, called the Hangover, uh, infamous place in Matterhorn. And um, I'm getting, I'm starting to run out of gas. And he said, well, how do you feel? I know your, your legs are, you know, a little wobbly there. And I said, oh, no, not, not, no, no, we've made it almost this way. I've made it so far. And he said, well, uh, do you think you can make it another 200 feet? And I said, yes, yes. And he said, okay, let's go. And we made it to the top of the Matterhorn. And the thing with the Matterhorn is it's a knife blade. It's no peak. It's, 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 a, it's a ridge, a ridge. about 100 feet long. comes up like this, no ridge. So we're standing on the ridge, and I noticed a plane. And I said, Ralph, there's a plane flying around down there. And I thought, mm -hmm. I said, no, 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 no. He said, mm-hmm. And so my father had talked to a pilot the day before <laughs> and had talked to Alphonse. He says, I'm going to get a pilot and fly me up on the mountain, go, go up to the top of the mountain. We can only make one pass, okay? So what time, if the boy makes it, what about what time? It's about 11 o'clock in the morning. And my father, you know, makes his plane comes up to the, up so the mountain, cool. and he doesn't know if I'm going to be there or not, you know. And I was there. Wow! And so That's I'm waving. What a beautiful like moment! This and 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 uh, uh, I'm crying, of course. And he's waving. You got a camera going, etc. Yep. And um, it's not that I'll never forget it. It's that my father passed away many years ago. And um, he couldn't speak. He was in a hospital bed, and um, he was dying. And uh, uh, we could shake hands. He could. He couldn't speak, but he could grip, and I could feel his strength. And the, the memory of that moment oh, it's is powerful. the memory that we shared when when, yep. when he died. So now I. I uh, made a wonderful woman, and we get married, rebel, and uh, we have a boy, Brandon, our first first child, our first boy. Uh, he, our little, my son, Brandon, is fourteen, and he says, 
Dad, you climbed the Matterhorn when you were 14. I'm 14 now. How about us climbing the Matterhorn together? And we did. And oh, that's beautiful. Uh, to stand on the top of the Matterhorn again with your son, it was easy for him because uh, you know Brandon. He's like, yep. Yeah, I mean, he's in shape. He was a fit, fit capable guy. Captain of the Marines, you know. And and so, uh, but me, it was a little bit harder back then. <laughs> Fifty four, <laughs> but but I was able to make it. But at any rate. Um, Reading Halliburton's book started me, and people collect stamps, they collect coins, they collect things. And I decided when I was 14 years old, I was going to collect, have a life, uh, a collection of extraordinary experiences uh, that, that would be memorable. You can't ever take away. You can never take the memories. You can never take what you've done. And so uh, pretty much devoted my life uh, and of course, uh, studying philosophy as well. Um, uh, ever since, so the Matterhorn is how tall? Fourteen thousand seven hundred eighty-seven feet. Wow. Okay. So, a quick summary of some of the other crazy adventures you did as a young man. I think there was a parachute jump somewhere. Something I was later. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got adopted into, into a clan of um, Hivero, uh Headhunters, the Heveros, they call them so Shwara. Uh, they're in uh, the Amazon, Oriente, Amazon of the of Ecuador. Uh, they're the ones who shrink heads. There's a lot of tribes that hunt the heads and keep the skull as a trophy. But uh, but the Heveros, they shrink the head skin. They skin the head and then sew it up and shrink it. Uh, and while it's, while it's shrinking, they uh, they, uh, they they boil it in the herbs and put it in hot sand, etc., and shrink it down. And when it becomes plastic, they and they can so the spirit can recognize its face and go inside. And when that happens in the ceremony, they trap the 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 spirit in the head, and so he he's trapped in a smaller head now and so we can't create bad magic and okay mischief. i have to ask <laughs> how did you find that that tribe and how did you prearrange that you would not be one of the uh the shrinkies <laughs> well um <clears throat> people were always coming by the house and so um i don't know i'm 15 or 16 or whatever it was and so uh some uh, uh so this fellow a friend of my dad's who were all talking around and they say, so young Jack, what's your next adventure? You're going to live with the Anders? And everybody laughed like it was a joke, you know. And I, of course, said, what Anders? And he said, oh, well, there's a story about this, this doctor, this medical doctor who has gone down to the Ecuador's in the Saturday, Saturday evening post. I read it, and uh, he he, he, the, he lives with this tribe. They he rose, They hunt the heads. The doctor was name is Doctor Wilburn Ferguson, and uh, if he could shrink, the Hiveros could shrink head skin. Perhaps he could shrink cancerous skin, and that was his research. And I got in touch with him. I figured out how to get in touch with him. Uh, we exchanged letters. I met him. And uh, 
he invited me. I told him I was a beginning student in anthropology at UCLA and that uh, the Hebrews were very interesting to me and he invited me to come. And then I ended up uh, getting down there and uh, he had to go back to the United States. So I ended up staying with the Hebrews with the uh, with the chief who, whose name was Tangamashi. And Tangamashi ended up uh, adopting me into his into his family. And uh, it was an extraordinary experience. I was 16 years old. Wow. So, so, you, spent, so you spent the summer with headhunters. Um, what else? I, take us through <laughs> oh, the, dear. Top, the top 10 craziest <laughs> things that Jack so Miller has done so in your life. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many things, uh, but it's been like this for, you know, I ended up hitting a, a, a man-eating tiger in, in, in Vietnam. That was when I was 17. Here's Jack in Dalat, South Vietnam, 1961, when he was 17 years old. A friend of his father's was a professional hunter and would go to far-reaching places to hunt dangerous game. In this case, it was a practical application because Jack was actually asked to hunt a tiger that had killed over 20 villagers in the Montagnard high country of Vietnam. Somehow he talked his parents into letting him do this. He had saved up money from giving tennis and judo lessons. So there he was in the pitch dark with a flashlight wired to the barrel of a 300 Weatherby, waiting for the tiger to come in for the rotting water buffalo carcass they'd set out as bait. Suffice to say, as the picture shows, Jack was successful. Uh, it's, 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 a long, it's a long list, Derek. Um, I've got three first contacts where um, I and the people with me uh, that I took that I took with me because now I'm leading expeditions. Um, uh, were with, with the first one was no, it was by myself and a helicopter pilot. Uh, with a, uh, we landed in this village of Aucas. Uh, this is again in the uh, Amazon of Ecuador. The other ones to kill all the missionaries, but they were very nice to us. We didn't have any problem, and uh, we got along great. And that was the first contact. Uh, wow. And then there's there's two others. Uh, a, um, uh, a, a tribe called the Walialifo in Papua New Guinea uh, that never been contacted before, and then a band of Bushmen in the Kalahari that uh, uh, this particular band, they had not been contacted before. And that was a very, very special uh, uh, special experience. Right, so, 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 but you're just, you're just talking about in, in the Amazon of South America, Papua New Guinea island, in the uh, Southeast Asia, uh, and in the Kalahari, in the remote Bushman part of uh, of Africa, uh, and all this was before college. Oh no, no, no! That's college. a long over. We're 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 a couple of decades here. We're going okay. all right, <laughs> uh, etc. But um, uh, and I recall hearing the, something about a parachute jump onto the North Pole. Uh, that was in 1981. Um, the world record was. The northernmost parachute jump uh, was uh, set by a Canadian guy uh, in 1969. He had landed um, 31 nautical miles off the the North Pole, and so um, uh, is it uh, 89, 89, 39, something like that. But but at any rate, uh, the North Pole 
is, is at 90 north. You, you, you've got, yep. you, you, you know how it works, right? The equator yep. is zero. And so right angles to the equator is straight up, and that's the North Pole, uh, 90 north latitude. And, and so by now, I figured out a way, because I have an expedition business, I figured out a way to get people to the North Pole. Uh, and by now, I'm also into skydiving. It's my sport. And so I brought my rig, and um, uh, we, we were able to land right on the ice at 90 north, which is not easy. Um, and you need a particular configuration of ice. And, and so um, uh, the people got out, uh, took the uh, doors off, which is to have them to an hour, and uh, uh, fuel drums out, and uh, pilot, co-pilot, and I flew up. And I got them up to... 8,000 feet because I wanted at least a mile of free fall. And it's yeah. um, uh, amazing. Got on the spot and uh, out the door. And it was so, a real. So I have rush. to ask, were you, were you, were you jumping a paracommander rig or staff? No, it was, it was, it was a free fall rig, right? It was square. Rammer. Yep. Okay. And, and, um, uh, paracommander. <laughs> That's when you seals learned how to. Dive land like a sack of potatoes, uh, etc. Well, you know, <laughs> I learned so, how to do that, but but as soon as I could get out of them, I got out of them fast. <laughs> I, well, I am a uh, I am later to the game in skydiving, but uh, but still do it often uh, and enjoy it very much. Oh, um, great, great. So well, you, you fly Ram Airs now, so paracommander, sure. Long time ago, at any rate, it was a uh, fabulous experience, and uh, uh, right on top of the world. And I could go on and on and on, but at any rate, uh, you know, landed. And I stand up right next to everybody on the ice, and uh, uh, North Pole, Guinness Book of World Records, fantastic. and Guinness says it, it's a record that cannot be bettered after setting because you don't don't get more north than the North Pole. And so um, that'll stick. That's very cool. <laughs> so uh, we'll close off this segment by saying you have lived a life of adventure from being the earliest Boy Scout or the youngest Boy Scout ever climbing the Eagle Scout. The early, Not youngest sorry, Boy Eagle, Scout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eagle Scout. Sorry. My, my bad. Um, so living with headhunters, first contacts, most northerly parachute jump. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk about uh, how you met. Uh, Ronald Reagan before he was even governor and uh, and that part of your life. Great. Next on uh, on Off Leash. <laughs>